Stand by for a start. Gates crash, and they're racing in the Melbourne Cup. A pretty good line. G'day, I'm Corey Brown. Over the next eight weeks, I'm going to be chatting to some of the best trainers and jockeys in the world. They've all played a part in Australia's greatest horse race, the Melbourne Cup. That first Tuesday in November, when all eyes head to Flemington, to see all 24 horses and jockeys take on the 3,200 metres. It's been run 160 times, and last year was a first. It was run without a crowd. What a ride, what a win. I've come second twice, I've come third twice, and I've also fallen in the race. Either way, it's an absolute honour to ride in the Lexus Melbourne Cup and to stand up and listen to that national anthem. It's like competing for your country. John McNeil, I'm going to say welcome to the um, club, mate, the Melbourne Cup Club. How was it? Yeah, thanks, Brownie. It's a great club to be a part of, and um, we've nearly had 12 months to reflect now. So it's um, it's yeah, it's a great club club to be a part of, and um, yeah, it's very exciting, mate. Obviously, the main question I want to ask you, uh, it's obviously really exciting. That whole day, you would have experienced that whole day. Uh, before without riding in the race but um how was it without the crowd it must have been a surreal feeling you know like it must have been totally different to ride in any other you know winner anywhere yeah it's a good question because as you say I've experienced riding on the day and watching the the Melbourne Cup from the the stewards tower or the clock tower as we call it and um feeling the really electric atmosphere and um you know, for my first ride in it, we'd been riding with our crowds for a, a large amount of time anyway leading up to it. So in some sense, it was it was kind of um, becoming the new normal. So, um, yeah, obviously disappointed that I couldn't really have that atmosphere there and enjoy it with the crowd. But uh, in saying that, I'm still very grateful that I was able to win the race and hopefully uh, we can go the right way to have a crowd there this year was the pressure off because the crowd wasn't there was the pressure off you because the way you rode the horse was absolutely amazing like i did say to you before the race that you know he's a one-paced horse you shouldn't be waiting for the clock tower but mate the way you rode the horse is very very ballsy the way you done it and was it because the crowd wasn't there that that pressure wasn't on you as such in one way it was um and i guess in another sense with it being my first ride in the race, I didn't really feel that much pressure because there wasn't a lot of pressure put on me. Um, I trusted the people that were around me, you know, um, Joseph, who I had a couple of uh, calls with before the day, um, obviously Lloyd and um, my former analyst, Dean Lester, they all were able to really install that great confidence in me to, do what I had to do and without them 
the result might have been different. So um, I got them to thank for that and uh, I don't think I'll ever be able to make it up to them. Let's go back to the start. How did, how did racing come about for you? Were you born into a racing family or was it? So my family have always had horses. Racing was in the family. My grandfather trained. They were doing it as a hobby. His profession was um, dairy farmers up on the Murray. And um, yeah, from there, it got uh, handed down to my father. And then obviously, that's how I showed my interest in in horses. And then gradually, that um, eventuated into racing. And um, yeah, I, I was always a uh, really small light kid as well so that sort of deterred me down this path of being a jockey and um, that's basically how it all started for me and uh, once I sort of got the thrill of going fast and and um, got the love for the horses it, it was a case of uh, never looking back. Uh, who did you look up to mate? Who did you sort of follow in footsteps? Did you copy your style off anyone or? Yeah so in my early days um I was I was using Luke Nolan as a mentor of mine because he came, went through the same um, master as me, Gerald Egan, up at Mansfield. And because of that connection, he was always giving me advice and, and helping me in the beginning of my career. And then obviously as my career developed, I looked at um, different people's writing styles and, and uh, tried to make my own mould of, of who I am. And... Um, I did watch a bit of yourself, Corey, and uh, and also a bit of James McDonald. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't after after that, mate. I was just literally asking who you who did you <laughs> Yeah, but um, no, definitely, I definitely watched a bit of you guys and um, tried to make it my own a little bit, and um, it's something I still work on today. Um, and um, yeah, I, f- I feel pretty content with my style and 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 the way I am and. I am trying to pr- improve it all the time, but um, yeah, it's it's a great uh, asset to have. You've recently become a father to little um, Oakley. Um, actually, making me feel old because I think he's about two weeks after I become a grandfather. So you're, you're making me feel very old, mate. Yeah. Well, what if I told you he's 15 months? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he's well, yeah, actually, well, Wolf's 14 months. So yeah, um, he's not far behind you. But and your beautiful uh, wife or partner, Jess. Fiance, we're getting married in February and um, providing everything goes the right way with restrictions and stuff, but we're really looking forward to that. And um, we've also um, just bought a few acres at a place called Woodend and um, Jess is currently designing and and putting together a a house with a couple of friends of ours and... um, She's got a fair bit on her plate with that and, and Oakley to look after. Tell me um, tell me the story how she set the camera up while the Melbourne Cup was being run so she could show you, the, well, basically the crowd cheering for you at home. She actually, she, she, she did show me um, basically straight away when I got home and obviously emotions were still very raw at that stage, Corey, and um, it, it, was, it was pretty emotional to watch her reaction to her cheering me home and, and her um, emotions after the race. And I've only seen it the once. She won't let me watch it again. And she's very, very cautious on who she shows it to. But um, if anyone was able to get their hands on it, it's a, it's a great watch. 
Jess, your partner Jai has just won the Melbourne Cup, the first time he's ever ridden in a Melbourne Cup. How are you feeling? Oh, very emotional. Uh, I just told him that I loved him and I'm so proud of him, like I said, because I know how much hard work has gone into it and the sacrifices that have had to be made for him to get this far. When he broke down, he made me cry again and oh my God, it's <laughs> so much emotion. <laughs> so raw, but it's amazing to see. Yeah, tell me, mate, when did it sink in? Like, I know it must have been, again, without the crowd there, the moment was very different to the two that I've won. But when did it sink in for you, mate? When, like, when you got home to see to see um, Jess or was it when you seen your parents or when did it really hit home that you'd won the Melbourne Cup? The first time it probably really hit home was actually quite early, um, kind of a real buzz straight away. And then, as you would know, you've got, media commitment straight away and um, it's all happening pretty fast but I got a little break in between media commitments and I went back to the room and all the guys got around me and um, the, but the first probably time that it did hit home was when Damien Oliver come up to congratulate me and I was I was like wow this is this has really happened and this is real and um, I got a bit emotional at that stage and uh, I, I even get emotional thinking back to it now. But um, that was the first time it hit. It really did hit home. And then obviously it took a, a little while for it to really sink in because I'd look at the cup sitting on the the kitchen bench and think, "Wow, that's this is all actually happened, and that's really mine." But um, it's still in the same spot today. Yeah, it's actually funny. My the first memory that I have of mine really sinking in was. Um... I went up to the local shops and I went to the post office and the lady in that in the post office they didn't realise that I was a a good jockey and they had the stamps they brought out the the shocking stamps and she gave me a book of these uh, shocking stamps but it wasn't until I got up to the shops and seen like the butcher and stuff and everyone was congratulating me that it sort of really sunk in for me and then the next time it was oh, I don't know it was just coming home to celebrate with the family like it was just yeah sharing an action being able to share it with everyone that can you know like the the party and the stuff like that where people don't realize when you're actually in the moment down there in Melbourne straight after the cup like you said you've got the media commitments and then you know you've got to back up on the Thursday to ride Oaks Day and then following Saturday which used to be Emirates Day so you don't really get to enjoy it until the racing all sort of stops after the after the spring but but yeah, I, I tell you, my first ever Melbourne Cup, I kicked and screamed to get on the horse. Um, it actually won on the Saturday, won the Derby Arena for John Hawks. Larry Cassidy couldn't ride the weight. Three-year-old going into the Cup with a really light weight. Um, I think I had to lose about three and a half, 47 and a half. So yeah, I, I think I got on the scales and I was 50 kilos um, on the Saturday and John Hawks asked me would I be able to do it and of course I was going to be able to do it I would have cut off my left leg to to be in the race to have my first ride but it was really funny because Kylie my wife she um, had friends and stuff down in Melbourne and through the day the course of the day they got um, you know full of drink and they invited everyone back to to the hotel but there wasn't enough room in the car and I'd wasted all obviously as you can imagine I wasted really hard to ride the horse and uh there wasn't enough room in the car for me so I had to actually get in the boot of this hire car and travel back to the city in the boot of the hire car like was, yeah but the things you do in racing but that was one of the the funniest moments leaving Flemington in a hire car and actually in the boot of the car so um very illegal but <laughs> 
anyway. A bit different to the way you travel now. Yeah, I've got the LC500 <laughs> now, the Lexus, so yeah. <laughs> it's good. Do you remember your first winner? My first winner was at Kerrang Race Course on a horse called Demars, and he was fantastic to me. He, I won about five or six races on him. Um, Jim Lake, who trained him, was a family friend, and I went to school. I went to high school in Kerrang, and um, all my schoolmates were at the races, and that was a pretty good way to get your first winner done. Good skills. Now, Twilight Payment, how did the ride come about, mate? Did you did you ring Lloyd and or uh, sorry Joseph O'Brien, or how did, how did it come about? Yeah, it came about through Lloyd. Um, so he'd obviously been watching racing over the winter months, as he always does. He's got a great passion for racing, and um, obviously work really close with Dean Lester and. Um, Lloyd reached out to Dean because he, he'd been a little bit crook and they were talking um, Melbourne Cups and, and who he would to get to ride his horses, seeing as though there were going to be restri- restrictions in place with the virus. And um, through my connection with Dean, he dropped my name and then obviously said to me that it would be a good idea if I gave Lloyd a call and showed interest. So once I built up the courage, I did that and um, one thing led to another and um a week or so later he rang back or he actually rang dean back and said um i think twilight payment will really suit jai and the rest is history i i actually had a bit of nerves too when i had to ring him about um rekindling i actually when i rang him i thought that he threw the curveball at me too he said it was up totally up to the um o'brien camp but um so i went went and contacted joseph and he told me it was up to Lloyd and they were sort of to and fro but I ended up getting the ride the same similar sort of way uh, through. What was the phone call like to Joseph um, instructions-wise? Did he did he send you out there with the move that you made or was that a decision of yours to ride him like that? Like I know I, I went over his replays and his Melbourne Cup run before and I know he was very one pace, but was that a plan? Yeah, it was a plan by... Joseph and Lloyd and uh, I spoke I spoke to Joseph twice and um, he basically just said to me that if I can get get him out of the gates cleanly go forward be in the not necessarily necessarily lead but um, you know be in the first four and he really wanted me to make it a staying contest and he said if by chance you do get to the lead which obviously I did he said uh, just get a rest down the back there get him into a good rhythm get him breathing and um if all that goes to plan i want you to really up the tempo from the thousand meter mark and at the time i was like yeah yep no problem i'll do that and then uh when it was all happening it kind of felt a little bit unusual to me for me to be stepping the tempo up that early and i really had to tell myself and commit to what i was doing and um trust the guys that had that had uh, give me those instructions and um, I actually had Benny Malum come up to me before the race because he was riding master of reality and he said the the international horses can be pretty sluggish out of the barriers so make sure you you help him begin and, and give him a good good dig in the early stages and he did exactly that he took a fair bit of riding to get out there so I was appreciative um, for his insight because 
things could have gone differently if uh, if he hadn't have given me the heads up. He went off went off in, in the lead. It was ridden by a chap called Jai McNeil, who was a, uh, it was his first ride in the cup, but he's had a fantastic couple of seasons in Melbourne and is one of the top riders down there. And he, he's renowned for, for being a good judge of pace. And, uh, um, and that was a lot of the reason why Lloyd and Nick uh, uh, got him to try to book him to ride, to ride Twilight. Tell me, did you get the sit on the horse before you actually jumped on in Melbourne Cup Day? Yeah, I rode him in a gallop at Werribee. And at the, at the time, I'd qualified a horse called Steel Prince and um, another one that I'd had a lot of success over the winter months on called Persan and I thought, geez, this is just my luck. You know, the the year I finally get a ride and now I've got three. Um, but my connections were always, or I was always committed to riding Twilight Payment and um, and riding for Lloyd. So it, that didn't worry me at that stage. But yeah, I partnered him in a gallop at Werribee and um, I worked on my own. And I actually made a mess of the work, to be honest. I uh, I was supposed to canter a lap first and pull up, um, walk, let him recover and then go, um, I think it was 1400 metre evens and then click him up over the, the final two furlongs and have a good gallop. And I must have been a little bit blasé and completely forgot about um, pulling up and letting him recover. And uh, I went the two laps <laughs> straight after one other and um, he actually he actually came through the gallop fine. So it didn't affect him. And um yeah it was good to get a feel of him on the day and um you know i, I knew he was going to take a, a, a fair bit of riding after getting a feel of him um that morning so i knew what i was i had to prepare for yeah I, they wouldn't even allow me to sit on rekindling the first time i ever seen the horse in the flesh was about five minutes before i got on him in the enclosure i'd obviously watched all the videos of him but i didn't even get a chance to have a feel of him lucky he was a good ride but now tell me, Jess Payne, she was um, a jockey yourself. Are there any photos up on the wall of her beating you or you beating her? No, we've, we're actually renting at the moment, so um, we didn't want to put too many marks in the wall. So that all of the photos are in, in the boxes in storage at the moment. But um, uh, I, I, I can't really remember um, much of a rivalry between us. Um, we get along fantastic and... I dare say we would have beaten one another at, at various times, but um, she was a very good rider and um, obviously she loves horses. She's got her own at, out in the paddock at the moment and um, doesn't have any plans or ambitions to come back riding. She's happy being a mum and there's no pressure for her to come back. So um, hopefully she can get enough enjoyment out of having her own pet horse and um yeah, she can she can be the fantastic mum that she is. Is there any advice given over the dinner table after a couple of bad rides or anything? <laughs> Not really. She she's uh she's very cautious in that aspect, but um it is good having someone that actually has ridden and can relate to different scenarios because I can actually bounce ideas or um get yeah. I you know, get her opinion of, of various situations so it actually comes in handy and um she knows what she's talking about and 
sometimes a different opinion. Oh, if you ever need any more advice, mate, I've got a wife that's never ridden a racehorse, <laughs> but she knows how to ride. I'll just ring you, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a few. I've had a few sprays when I got yeah, home. Yeah, nice. What was I doing on that? <laughs> Uh, how are you enjoying being a father, mate? Really good. Um, obviously, early stages, Oakley took a fair bit of uh, warming to his dad. He was all about mum, just was breastfeeding and um, still is today, actually. She's done a really good job. But, um, yeah, it took a few months for him to sort of, uh, I guess, gel to me and, and um, warm to me. And now he's he's grown up and knows what's going on we've got a great relationship and it's amazing you know when you have a a bad day or a good day he's always there at the door waiting for me to get home and um it's pretty special to walk through the door now yeah actually i'm, I'm loving being a grandparent um little wolf like we said 14 months but we we look after him on a tuesday and wednesday because charlie's gone back to work but um honestly i need two days recovery <laughs> after he goes home he's he's taking the wind out of my sails but um I know like you were talking about uh your racing your your style and stuff like that your race gear any ambitions to go overseas I've had offers to to go overseas and um I, I guess if the the right time comes with family and and other situations then um I guess I'd take the opportunity but at this stage, I'm I'm pretty content with Australian and Australian racing. And um, where would you like to go if you could go overseas? Well, I had a I had an inquiry to go to Hong Kong, and um, mm-hmm. I guess it's the pinnacle of racing and somewhere we all aspire to be. But with the virus, my family situation, um, I just didn't feel the time was right to to head Not over the right there. Time. Yeah, and yeah. I felt if I really knuckled down here after the Melbourne Cup win and tried to cement my position um, and, you know, if an opportunity comes to go overseas down the track, then I'm in a better position when I come back. So, um, yeah, I'm hopeful that one day we might be able to get over overseas somewhere, but um, I'm pretty content at the moment. What about Melbourne Cup rides this year, mate? Yeah, I've obviously got that connection with Lloyd. Um and he's got a few horses that he's aiming up at the Melbourne Cup this year. Um, haven't really spoken to him about it as yet. Um, so we'll just have to see how it plays out. There's obviously a fair bit of water to go under the bridge and um, hopefully be able to pull his colours on come the Tuesday in November. Um, oh, mate, you're still young. I reckon you're an absolute gun. Um, what about good horses that you've ridden? The best, probably... Um, in recent times, definitely Mask Crusader. He won really electric at uh, Caulfield a few weeks ago. And um, the feel he gave me was absolutely outstanding. Um, and I've been doing a fair bit of work on a horse called Profiteer. He's a little bit different to Mask Crusader. He's more on speed, fast running horse, but he, he's um, given me a pretty good feel at the moment. What about uh, Jockey Room Banter, mate? Who would be the, the maddest jockey you've run into in the Jockey Room? We get pretty good banter amongst the group. Mark Zara and Benny Malum are probably at the uh, the core of that. They they bring some outstanding material to the races. Um, but uh, I, I don't get involved too much. I just sit back and enjoy the show, to be honest. Yeah, it, it is actually quite a good show of 
many a years down there over the spring carnival watching them two go at each other but you're probably <laughs> a little bit young but one of the best um that i always found was noel callow he was uh for mine he was probably one of the funniest um yeah lunatics that i've yeah, ever he, he is mad obviously you haven't seen him for a while he's been up in queensland on the gold coast there now but um yeah he's he is mad no did you were you there the day that he um he cut off uh nick hall's ponytail or his man bun or whatever he wanted to call it i was there um i was still an apprentice at that stage so i, I think i was a little bit rattled still i was running around doing my own gear and um day was going faster than i could go so i, I can't remember much of it but i i, I do remember seeing Noel walking around at scissors at one stage but that that uh that particular he, situation sums him up to a T. He's um his comments after when they had the inquiry his comments after to the press was the funniest I've ever heard he, he stated that it was the biggest achievement in racing that he'd had since the Cabri Guineas on Apache Cat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I often uh, wondered like actually went through his head to think oh, I'm going to go find a pair of scissors because no one in the jockey's room carries scissors around with them. And I, I, I just wonder what went through his head when he, I'm going to go find some scissors. I'm going to come back while he's sitting there and just cut off your ponytail. Jai, with all the restrictions and the COVID dramas, what's it like riding at the moment, mate, with all these, all these things that you got to do and abide by? Well, in a way it's, um, it's great that we've still been able to go to the races and have some sort of a normal life. Um, obviously, restrictions are what they are. And, yeah, I'm actually hopeful, Brownie, that um, they do get a crowd back at the races this year because out of the 170 or however many that they've run, there's only one that's been run without a crowd. So, um, you know, for, uh, I guess... But having to to go through that experience without a crowd, would be able to. Uh, it'd be good to be able to cling on to the history of not having um, any other cups run without a crowd. Well, you're riding for Lloyd, so you might be able. To, he's got plenty of pull down there, so you might be able to with the crowd. You might be able to do just like a little victory lap or something. Get Twilight payment back over and get him to <laughs> trot him down the roses, so you can experience that crowd there, mate. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Uh, cup morning, mate. How did it all go down for you? Was it smooth sailing? Did you have a lot of weight to lose, or yeah, it's obviously different to any other race day. How did you handle it? So for me, uh, cup morning was um, it was just routine basically. Um, I rode really light on the Saturday, the Derby day. I rode a horse called Odium at forty nine kilos, and um, I only rebounded to 52, 52 and a half, which is um, always good. So I woke up Tuesday morning very relaxed. Just cooked me some bacon and eggs. I had um, I had my eggs and and uh, and a coffee, and and I was just able to prepare myself for for the race day as best as possible with my form uh, and and my guys that I that I chat to and. Um, that's when I sort of just um, went off to the races like any other normal day pretty much and um, tried not to think about it too much and, and, and yeah, that's, that was basically all I did. No, mate, honestly, I, I reckon it was one of the best Melbourne Cup rides or not just Melbourne Cup rides but one of the best rides I've seen and 
like I said, I, I don't know whether it was because the crowd wasn't there, this, the pressure probably wasn't on as much as a normal Melbourne Cup day, but again, mate, it was definitely one of the best Melbourne Cup rides I've seen. Yeah, it's big coming from yourself, Brownie, so thanks very much. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure, Joy. Um, again, I think you're one of Australia's best, mate, and um, I'd just like to say thanks for, thanks for coming on the podcast, mate. It's been a pleasure. No, definitely aspiring to be one of the best, so um, thanks for having me on, Brownie. It's been good. Cheers, brother.